Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast, where we feature unscripted interviews with graduates of the United States Military Academy Class of 1991. The Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast with your host, Jamie Schleck, starts now. So welcome to the Old Grad Podcast, Lori Ryder, our guest this evening, March 7th, 2021. So welcome, Lori. And thank you for agreeing to do the Old Grad Podcast. Absolutely. Let it be known that I am wearing a straight out of West Point t-shirt. Let's see it. Stand up so we can see the whole, get the whole get up there. Straight out of straight West, out of West Point, baby. Nice. I got, nice. I got my two boys. Um, well, what it was a gift, but uh, they have straight out of Pakistan. So I had to get straight out of West Point just to keep it honest in our household. Because they are of Pakistani descent, right? Well, my husband's originally from Pakistan, but he's he's more British than anything. Okay. Um, and we call them Krakistanis. Nice. Yeah. Krakistanis. Read between so, lines. Yeah. Yep. I get it. I get you it. You got it. All right. Yeah. So, and so where, where are you living now? What's, give me the whole story about, you know, where you are, what's going on. Yeah. So um, I currently live in um, a community called Rancho Santa Fe in San Diego. And it's um, a little bit near the beach, which is where my heart has always been. Um, but before that, I was living in the Bay Area after the military. So after having our two kids, we decided we would relocate back to SoCal so I could be where the sunshine and the surf was. So that that's where I'm at. You grew up in California, right? You're a California girl. Yeah, I'm a California girl. Tustin, California. And we, And in fact, my high school, I think, set a record for the amount of cadets that I was living in the Bay area after the military. So I'm hearing reverb or something. All right, hold on. Hold on a second. Oh yeah. That's my bad. I thought I hit the, I thought I hit the uh, mute. Dude, I how you, many cocktails have you had today? I had zero. I've had, you know what? I, I was my one going. I'm looking, I'm looking at you. I'm like, your mouth, her mouth's not moving, but I'm hearing her voice. It's because I was, I was, I was, I was hearing it on the, uh, the, the other screen here. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I got okay. the other screen going so I could see other people going. So I have had zero cocktails. In fact, we were just out Maybe to dinner. Maybe you need some fireball as we speak. Uh, you know what? As we get closer to the end of the podcast, I might do some. So okay. I, I, it always I, what, works for me. What I have found actually is when I first started doing the podcast, I'd have like two or three beers you know, before we got going. In fact, I think it was Matt. No, it was um, it was a Brad McElwee said, I always like feeling like I'm two beers in on the old grad podcast. Like it feels like we're two beers in. we're having a conversation, you know, the people so well. So you're like two beers into the conversation. I just don't want to be impaired so that I screw things up. Like I just did. So maybe I'll have, I'll get a beer towards the end of it, but, okay. um, but I, 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 think, I think that's in order. Yeah. 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 So what are you drinking there? So you got some kind of, neon I, I, I got a little food. vodka fruity thing going on. So I don't, I don't, long day of pickleball so i'm winding down with a cocktail let's see show show for the camera what's it looks like it's, uh, it's got, yeah no it's got like vodka and like some fruity nonsense some some girly stuff so uh-huh. and you said yeah. it's got some sort of like nutritional some kind of super nutrient yes um it's got it's called energy fizz mm-hmm. so and it just makes it taste better. And then I feel like it counterbalances. It's like when you get a Big Mac, but you order a Diet Coke because you think, okay. It neutralizes it. Yeah, exactly. It's like going to Boothers and getting a pizza and a Diet Coke, right? Or uh, It works every time. Or the, uh, what was it, Ben and Jerry's ice cream and a Diet Coke. That, that was yes. the uh, neutralized things. Yes, yes, exactly. So I interrupted. I'm sorry, you were saying you're giving me the-, the, the Yeah, the, no, I mean, after, I mean, I was in Germany my full army tour. 
which was mm-hmm. amazing because um, I got a command there and did that whole uh, thing. And then I decided to get out uh, because I was not up for as a captain going to either the Pentagon or D.C. Um, I, w- I really wanted to go to the 82nd um, because I was having so much fun with what I was doing in Germany. And there was a colonel that wanted me to come help support his unit. And uh, so I got out and I went to the Bay Area. And then I was there the whole time. And then once we had a couple kids, I just it, I just wasn't feeling that vibe anymore. I was there during the heyday where it was like a gold rush. You know, everything was very coin operated. And if you weren't talking about how much you made, you started talking about how much you lose. You're losing because the tech crash. And so I was I needed a change of scenery. And so, yeah, San Diego. It is God's country out here. It is beautiful. I. My last one of the last things I did in the army was there at Imperial Beach. I was building a border wall between Mexico and and uh, Imperial Beach. Oh, that wall! Yeah, I like the original wall was built by my construction platoon back in okay. the day, back in 1993 or 94, whenever that was that we were there. But I, it was magnificent. I stayed in Coronado, stayed at the Naval Air. The, you know, the base there. And it was magnificent. I was like, hey, look, I'm going to be honest with you. It is not fun for me during army Navy week because it is a Navy town. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, we, ha- we do have Pendleton. So there's um, the Marines, but they're still Navy. So I get, I get razzed pretty hard here, Yeah, but, but it's good. Yeah. So we should say hello to some of our classmates that have joined us on the call. There's at least three or four or five, uh, Jeff Simpson, Brent Crabtree, Brad, Brent- Ingrid Powell Dawkins, Kemi Ayanako. By the way, here's the beauty of people being able to pepper in questions. Ingrid Powell said that she said, Tustin, my kids went to Tustin School District. I oh, guess wow. it was, is the Hicks Canyon Elementary School. Do, do you know that school? Is that where you I, went do, to I don't. Yeah. So I guess she lived there for a little bit of time or something. So. All right, Ingrid. Yeah, Ingrid and I, um, we were on the track team together. What did you do on the track team? What? You were like a long distance runner, right? Yeah, I was a long distance runner. I was kind of a hot mess on the track team. Um, if if Ingrid if Ingrid could weigh in, she probably would agree with that. Um, yeah, I did. I did all the long distance, um, but it was just you know it was really hard for me because you're constantly exhausted and frazzled, and then having because it's so much of a mental game when you're in the distance area of running. I, I just I could never kind of catch my stride that well. So I, you, I left the track team um, after my sophomore year. You did that in high school. That was a big part of your life was the running, I guess. Yeah, I did. Um, I was cross country track and then soccer. And I was I was recruited in all three. And I really wish that I'd stuck with soccer because I think it was a good variation for me. And it's, it, it's much more team oriented, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But I gave it up because I thought I was too small. Mm-hmm. So and then I found run? my... Are you a runner like, now? All the time, yeah. 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 Well, I'm kind of a like a jogger. Yeah. A jogger. I, I always say I'm going to go for a quick run, meaning in duration, not in speed. <laughs> when I go for a run. Um, yeah. Well, you know when COVID hit, though, everyone walked. It's mm-hmm. like we had nowhere to go, <laughs> so we would be just. Everyone started walking. I mean, my dogs lost like half their body mass. <laughs> And it was funny because um, I got really tired of being around my husband um, during the pandemic. And um, because like he was in the zone, like that was his jam. Like, I mean, like he loved it because he didn't have to travel and we were all under his thumb and like, you know, but 
for me, it was like, I kind of felt a little bit caged. So I would go on my walks and, and I would see these couples out walking with their, you know, each other. And it just amazed me. Like, why would you do that? You guys are together <laughs> all day long. Like that's my reprieve to get out of my head. But yeah, we did a lot of walks. So now I'm kind of more of a walk jogger. But I actually ran, I ran far this, yesterday for me. I ran, uh, cause I'm going to try to do this half marathon in a few more weeks. So I, I, I ran, I ran out to nine miles, which kicked my ass. I mean, I'm just, that's a good clip. Yeah. Well, slow, like 10 minute mile kind of clip, but long, long run. And so then, um, so I, my ass was kicked yesterday and then I ended up taking my son's basketball team because they had their final game Friday night, which was awesome. They won. They're like their final, like the little championship, you know, pod for high school, it's final high school game. It was, it was a magical moment, you know, for him and for, for me as for us as parents. And, so then I took the team down to uh, down to uh, the um, Jersey Shore. To, we have a beach house there, and I hosted them. And our heat was off down there, and the heat's still not working. The only the only heat we had in the house was the uh, the body temperature of like you know the ten of us that were in this house. And I was freezing my ass off like all day, all day yesterday, and then all day today I was in the city for my daughter's birthday. So I had like that chill, like like. Like it reminded me of being in the army, like you've got that chill, like that sort of constantly being exposed, like to like lower temperature. It's exhausting. When oh you God, like- it, it is exhausting. Well, in Germany, I remember um, my first gig when I, I got there was to support a, like a tank battalion in there, one of their exercises. And it was so cold that we couldn't drive the stakes for our tent into the ground because it was frozen solid. So we would all stand behind the exhaust of the tanks. It was, it was cold. That was so nice and safe. You know? That's why I'm back in San Diego where your bones stay warm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I'm waiting for Cammie to come visit me. She promised me that she would bring her little boy out. We could do SeaWorld and Legoland, but she hasn't come out yet because this thing called COVID. So Cammie, if you're listening, I'm still holding you to that. She's, she's listening. I'm sure she'll, she'll get out there. She's a world traveler. She's been all, she's been on seven continents. I think. Did you know that? Yeah, she, yeah, she's done a lot. It took her a long time to settle down. Do you know, I took her to the Olympics. She was living Which in one? Uh, uh, the one in Atlanta. And oh, so that was when, they, when the bomb went off. No, no, su- sorry, sorry. Not the Olympics. Super Bowl. Super, oh, Super Bowl. Bowl. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so, uh, she was living out there and then we were there for the Super Bowl. And so I said, you want to come? So that was kind of cool, but it was like, it was nothing to her. Cause she's been everywhere. She's living in Atlanta. She was living in Atlanta. That's, yeah. That's one area that I've, I mean, I've been through it a lot. I've done a lot of business down there, but I've never lived down there. It's a nice area though. Yeah. So talk to me. So, well, this is the, well, actually it's the second time. It's the second time I'm interviewing. I have a a little like low lying, a bit of anxiety tonight because this is the second time I'm actually interviewing somebody that has their own podcast. Like you, you're a professional, you're a professional. No, I'm not. Well, I've listened to your podcast and it's, it's, you've definitely taken it to a, a much higher level than where we currently are with the old grad podcast. So, uh, and I'm, I'm a little bit intimidated because I'm listening to your podcast or they're so well done. So tell me a little bit about your podcast. Well, yeah. So it's, um, I've been wanting to do something creative. So my last startup, if you ever listen, I, I kind of tell a little bit about myself and because we were asked to tell about ourselves. 
Um, and the last company I started and, and did was, it almost killed me. It was the most stressful thing ever. And I always say to myself, you know, never get involved, especially in a startup with something you don't know anything about. And so I had just sold um, a franchise company that was in the kids space. And I was approached to do like a preschool live action venture. And um, I thought, well, that'll be fun. And the kids will get involved and I'll share it and they'll be part of my journey. And it just was very, very difficult. That being said, um, I've always wanted to go back to do something creative. So flash forward to uh, the beginning of even before the pandemic hit 2020, um, I started a group chat because I was getting really like I blew up my in Instagram because I was getting tired of all the fakeness of everything that was going on. And, you know, I'm 50 and, you know, we need to be real and our kids are assholes and our husbands drive us crazy at times and the world isn't perfect. And so I started this group chat with about uh, 13 gals my close kind of neighborhood pals that we've been friends and raised our kids together. And it's, it, it was called the fireside chatters. And, and, and by the way, just to clarify, you said a group chat, like this is a group, text message group. Yeah. A good group chat. Like it just like, so, and, and we had a, our own little, like, so I blew up my personal Instagram and then, but then I started this like private Instagram account called the fireside chatters. See, this is what we do when we have too much time on our hands. Right. Um, get a job, Lori. Um, so I started this group chat and it kind of, took off. So we we're called the fireside chatters. And then the pandemic hit. And then we were the manic fireside chatters. And then we were kind of the manic, salty fireside chatters who were over it. And then, and then we just became the salties because we say we're in a constant state of saltiness. Now, if you don't live in California, you don't understand to the degree it, the, the restrictions that we have had here with regards to our kids. Like my kid has been in his room. He's a high school junior. For a whole year, mm -hmm. like everything, it's it, it's awful. It's awful. There and and there's no real light at the end of the tunnel, quite frankly, as of yet. Um, he is doing football, but so we started this thing, and we all became extraordinarily vulnerable over this platform, where we were sharing stuff, we were sharing ideas, we were supporting each other, and and then you know I kind of got this thing like, hey guys, when we get out of this, you know, let's not think of our lives and now let's pivot our mindset so that we're not on the back nine, we're on the front, a new front nine. And so um, this is where it starts because we're all almost empty nesters. I've got a junior, but he's driving. So he's kind of an, I'm kind of an empty so nester. The, are these all, they're all women, I suppose, right? Yeah. All women. Okay. Um, oh, I don't trust a man to be on the salties. Okay. We would scare him away. He would have nightmares. So anyway, so I had been talking and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do a podcast and see if I can do this to a wider audience. And if people listen, great. And if they don't, that's okay too. But it was my way of addressing, wanting to go back to doing something creative um, and also maybe just putting out the same type of inspiration out into the universe. And that's what we've been doing. So we launched uh, the beginning of January and it's called She's a 10 Times 5. You get that, right? 10 times 5. 50, 50, 50, yeah. Yeah. I didn't come up with that name, so don't knock me for it. Um, but it's grown on me. And so it's, it's three gals and we just, we, we do our deal. We have great guests. We have a lot of exciting guests that, um, are on the docket and, and it's fun. And hopefully people that listen, um, we, we don't take ourselves too seriously. I mean, I never have, um, hence why I think I had over a hundred hours my freshman year of, of 
tours. But you did uh, 120 hours. I, I, think I, 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 I actually think I did more than that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, no. So was, I didn't have one area tour after my um, yuck first semester. It, I got slammed two big so times. Bad girl gone good. Is that you were a bad girl gone good? I was a bad girl that just stayed bad and until she got her act together, basically. Okay. Yeah. So I, I got busted for frat um, <laughs> with a guy named Ray Coluciello. Um, he was he was my beast squad leader. Oh, no, he was a supply guy. It had its benefits because I always got the good tables mm-hmm. during base. So that was kind of nice. He's in your company? No, he well, he was an I4. I was I1, but he okay. was in my beast company. Okay. And um, so I, I was stupid there and did that. And then the second time I got busted, um, I didn't even really do anything other than not speak out about some yearlings that went behind the barracks and got a little hammered. And so then I got busted again. So How did you get busted for frat as like as a plea? Did somebody tell you? Know, you? Yeah. You know what? I, I don't I was thinking about this, Jamie. I. I don't even know. I think. I. I think what happened was I, I met him and they saw us talking and, and then, you know, and then, you know, you can't tell a lie. <laughs> so, or, or, so yes, I, uh, anyway, but, so, but so, it was so, benign. I mean, it was like little notes. We were, pa- so we would take these little, like three by five index cards and we write little like cute notes to each other and, and slide them through our mailbox. Cause you could do that. Cause there's that little gap in our, Oh, mailbox. in the mailbox in the, mm-hmm. in the yeah. mail room. Okay. okay. Yeah, because we didn't remember we didn't have emails or anything back then. It made frat very hard. We had email. No, we had email, but it was just the very beginnings of email. Like yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't think I started using the email till like my junior year with some professors. So wait, you knew his PO box. He knew your PO box. Yeah. Knew, so he wouldn't actually it, like it wasn't actually mail. It was just like slipping. Well, this was into- this was hard duty frat. I mean, like now they could just. I mean, can you imagine what's probably going on? Because you can text and you can. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure a lot of good stuff's going on. Um, so yeah, it, it was hard. It was hard, <laughs> hard frat duty. So I did that. And then, um, and then I, I got in trouble again. Um, me and Bev Edwards, my roommate were walking. I call and the yearlings behind us were, they were lit. And, um, and so since we didn't turn them in, we got busted mm-hmm. and it was a big one because this was my second first class violation. So I think that one, first one was 40 hours. And then the second one was a lot bigger. And then I got pulled into an office with our regimental tack. And he basically just said, do you really want to be here? Hold on. I'm going to I'm going to pull out a name. Is his name Mac Hayes? Was his name Hayes? No. Hayes? No. Oh yes. It was Colonel Hayes. Colonel Hayes. Yeah. Mac, Mac Hayes. He was great. Yeah. He was a good guy. I think he was our regimental attack the whole time, or yeah. at least until our Cal year, because yeah. he ended up, unfortunately, having to, um, we had a firsty that was a December grad that ended up getting kicked out for the dumbest thing in the world. Um, and I just remember this guy was just so broken up. He did not want to have to kick um, Morel Savoy, his name was, he was a quarterback for the football team. And Mo just, he made a stupid mistake. He bounced a check while he was on super secret probation. And I'm like, that's it. Last straw. You're out of here for bouncing a check as a, you know, 21 year old kid. And I remember Matt is like, he basically had like tears in his eyes. He said, yeah. I, there's nothing I can he, do. He was a good guy. So, so he put, and I, I got a funny 
bounce check story. I, when I was a commander, I had a 17 year old private that came over to Germany. And within his first week, he, he wrote 50 plus thousand dollars worth of bad checks. And I called him in my office. He's, he's like, such dumbasses. Yeah. I, I'm like, what the hell were you thinking? And he's like, well, I had the checks. So what happens? Same thing happened with my, well, no, but that's just, that's just like Joe, that's just Joe Joey back of donuts. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not getting it. But he yeah. thinks if I have checks in my checkbook, that must, that means I got money that's left, that's left over in my bank. Yeah. Account. I mean, so. So he pulled me in his office and he was really cool. And he, cause you know, he was kind of intimidating looking, mm-hmm. but he ended up he being like grizzled looking face. It looked yeah, like his yeah. face got like run yeah. over by like, like he, a, like a, like he a, could like be in a Clint Eastwood movie yeah. or, you he know, got hit a few times with a tire iron or something. Yeah. In his face. yeah. So, so I, I think I peed a little bit when he, when he called me in and then I, I, um, and then he was so nice and he was like, do you really want to be here? And at that moment, I Cause I was like, I was kind of a masses plebe. I'm not going to lie. That moment I thought to myself, well, I don't know, but I don't want you to make me leave. <laughs> so, so all of a sudden my whole brain shifted into um, a different mode. And then I got my act together with academics and I started to do really well. And I, I think I was a fairly respectable cadet my last two years. What'd you major in? I majored in international relations. So you're like, good writer obviously and good at doing like foreign policy and analysis that kind of stuff yeah they asked me to do it all the time in the pentagon it's like you come over now um no i was not a very good writer um but i became one it it was it was the best thing because i i I truly believe and i tell my kids this because they hate to read and write and i go look if you can write you're gonna have to write even if you're in business you're gonna have to write emails and you're gonna if you can knack that art I think it's, it's extraordinarily powerful on your uh, just professional. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I closed deals or at least got an introduction because of a well-crafted email. Um, So, um, but no, but I just was bad at math. I failed math too. You did? You went to staff? Yeah, I did. Uh, Cammie was with me. I'm pretty sure she was with me. How many, uh, just once you went to staff or more than once? Just once. Yeah. Just once. And, um, I think it was because I went in with a C minus in math and well, it was one of those classes where, you know, when you, you're like, it's later in the day and you're like, okay, I'm just going to nap and then I'll do my homework or I'll, I'll figure out a way to do my homework sometime during the day, but I'm really tired. And I'm going to go to bed. And then I never did my homework. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think I failed or I got a, like a 68 on my final and then they failed me. So did you, did you spin the spurs or no? Oh, I tried everything. You know what I did too? Like, cause physics was really hard for me. And my physics teacher was, he was kind of mean. I don't think he liked women being there actually. And I punched out the lenses of Ted's. <laughs> so they were just the frames. Cause I thought this will make me smarter when I do my tests. And I think that bothered him too, but everyone else loved it. Yeah. So I tried everything, but then, but then once I started to get, I think myself in order. I mean, I was 17 when I went to West Point. So I was an August 30th birthday. I was just too young and immature. And I was class clown. I was that person um, in my school. And I remember my um, my teachers, they said, we're going to write you a letter of recommendation because you're a really great kid, but this is exactly the wrong place for you to go. And they were, they always said, they're going to take away your smile. You'll be back in three weeks. And- that sounds like a California thing to say too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot of people weren't fans of me going there, mm-hmm. but, 
but I went because it was free. I mean, honestly. So, you know, there, we have, we do have a, an arc to this podcast that we've completely violated here. Like we just, Good, we're, I'm glad. we're all over the place. If, if you know? anyone is, I'm so glad I'm the one that helped you violate it. No, no, but I was going to ask and I, you. I don't like, mean that, that, that kind of sounded inappropriate no, for no. people that are listening without no. the video. Yeah. No, but the, the bottom line is like, so over time I've developed this process by which we kind of like have a story arc. You know, we talk about the here and now. We go back to pre-West Point. We go through yeah. West Point. We've talked okay. about everything already. Jamie, would you get back place. on tax? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, what I was going to say with your podcast, I'm impressed because there's three of you talking. It's it's, And I've listened to, I probably listened to maybe 75% of them. Okay. And I'm, I'm really Thank you for fat. that. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And I, I also say it is all the things I try to aspire to be here with the Old Grab Podcast in terms of being funny, but also being introspective having a community, having some cohesiveness, you know, the three of you together, I can tell you've got a lot of respect for one another, but a lot of support for one another. And it's just really been great. I mean, listening to your colleagues talk about life events, tough life events, and being just honest and vulnerable. That's the kind of thing that we're, we've kind of become doing here with the Old Grab podcast. You know, we, we've talked right. about some tough issues of depression and transition. And there's, you know, we've got, you know, we've got also got, you know, people accomplishing awesome, great things, but we've also had setbacks and we're just trying to be honest with where we are in life. And so, but what I noticed about your podcast, which is it's um, she's a 10 times five. So you can find it on um, Apple iTunes and whatnot. Right. Um, I noticed that you guys never step on each other's words. Like, do, how do you, how do you have it synchronized? Like, you're back and forth. Like, are you like pointing to each other? Like you talk now? You well, we, we are in the same room and, and we decided to do that because um, of body cues and just the energy is so much better being at the same table. And you, know, you could see facial expressions and, um, but yeah, it just, it kind of works. So, so I, um, Lisa, who's on the podcast with me, I've known for Ever because we've raised her daughter is my son's age. And in fact, her two older daughters go to school at TCU with my oldest son. So we've known each other forever and she's wanted to do it. Um, and I've been asked to do podcasts before and it just never felt right. The, the timing wasn't right and, and the energy wasn't right. And then I met this gal, Shannon, and um, I thought she was a perfect contrast to my style. Yeah. And I think we had one, we had one with, um, it was our second episode that we had our first guest, Kelly Emberg, who's a friend of mine and she's great. And we went out. Is she the Seinfeld person? Is it, is that who we had? Yeah. Somebody from Seinfeld. There was the no, wait, no one from, from Seinfeld. No, friends. Oh, friends. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then also Joy Luck Club, I think. Is, yeah. She was, she was great. And yet even the stuff we didn't record, she was great. Um, but Kelly is, um, she used to live down the road from me. And she's a supermodel. She's one of the very first supermodels. And um, and then, she, of course, she was in a relationship with Rod Stewart, had a daughter. So she, she has so many fascinating stories. And she has a podcast of her own, too. And we, um, I said, hey, Kelly, we, you know, I want you on my podcast and we're doing this. And she goes, I'll do it, but you have to play pickleball with me first. So we had gone to play pickleball and then we just sat down and hit record. And that one was a little bit, I felt like we were all over the place. But mm -hmm. by and large, you know, you know, you bring a guest on that has a good story and, you know, you want to make sure you give their, them room to breathe and, and tell their story. And so. 
Yeah, I find that's one of the things I've really tried to improve at is being more present for the guests and to listen to what they're saying and to be able to react to it. I think of the earlier podcast that I did, like specifically with John Keenan, the first one that I did, I was so focused on the technology and where am I going to go next and trying to like not screw things up. He said something that I really would have liked to dig in a little bit further. He has shared the fact that one of the things that's been the most influential in his life is that his brother was paralyzed. And, um, and he's also shared some of the stories of his brother. His brother's an amazing, he's become now like a motivational speaker and he's just got this wonderful faith-filled life. But he said something on the podcast because he, he used to do stand-up comedy. And John said, yeah, I was doing stand-up comedy, but then my brother got paralyzed and life just stopped being so funny. And I like missed that. And I just went on to the next thing rather than kind of dig in because that would have been really interesting to hear that perspective. I mean, obviously, John, just an amazing person, amazing classmate, but to be right. thoughtful and introspective like that. And I missed that opportunity because I was in the beginning, just not really able to listen and be present for the guests. So what you're saying there is so so on point you've got to be able to listen and just you know let them talk and and kind of work with their energy i think yeah you know um lauren tom she was um so so kind of the theme of our podcast is you know it's really kind of reinvention you know we're, we're all kind of reinventing ourselves and, and 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 it's not just women it's you know men too i mean a lot of you know we go through these phases and i think you you know one of the things we talked about before we even did this together was just is, is that fact of being vulnerable because life is messy. I mean, it's, and it's hard. And, you know, you can look at someone and say, wow, God, they, <clears throat> they got it all and they're doing so well, but, you know, state of mind and um, the human condition <clears throat> is something that is not socioeconomic. It's not geographic. It doesn't care what car you drive. It doesn't care how hot your husband is or wife. It, it's so I think embracing flaws is, is a really great thing. And so, you know, talking to these people, what's really great is that um, they all have had setbacks and they have a beautiful story. And I love listening to them and just the grit and determination it takes to kind of just make it through it all. Right. I love this story the, you had somebody on, she's in her sixties and she decided oh, yeah. to do to do the swimsuit, this lady bond, and, yeah, and, lady, lady bond. She, she she decided to put herself in as a sports illustrated swimsuit model and to begin surfing too. And it sounded like she was just doing. Dude, it she like, was smoking hot. She she actually came down. She lives in Orange County. She drove down because she wanted to be in the room with us. And I I could I cannot believe she was sixty five. I mean, like, I don't know. It was, it was like, I've, I've never seen a 65 year old look like that. I wanted to hate her, but she was so nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so it's fun. So, so doing the podcast is fun and we'll see where we take it. I think it's, this is not a fad podcast. This is a different type of media. You get the voice inflection, you get the honesty, you get the ability to kind of like go behind the scenes. And it's like in everyday language, you, you can't make, the words come off of a screen. I mean, uh, the words come off of a page the way that you can by listening to a podcast, the way that the way that we have in this in this format. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I find myself like when I go on walks, that's when I or if I'm on the treadmill, I'll or if I have a long drive, I'll do a long drive. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, and it's, and you learn a lot and, you know, I mean, you couldn't like my, my husband's a news junkie and it, it drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. And don't even get me started when he has the bowl of pistachios and he's watching the news. It's, (laughs) it's enough for anyone to see red. Um, So I was trying to tell him the other day and he says like, what's your problem? And I'm like, you don't know how loud the crunching is. I said, I, I go, it'd be like me taking a box of thumbtacks, putting them in the garbage disposal and turning it on. That's how, how it makes you feel. See, that's but, a West Point thing, I think. I, I you know what? You, you just, you just. Hit no, it's a real thing. issue, Jamie. No, that it, There's a syndrome or table, something. No, shit. table manners. We are like so heightened to table manners, I think, as West Point graduates. Like, you if think? you had, yes, totally. Without question. I, I, it drives me crazy when I see somebody like chewing taking big bites and chewing with their mouth open or talking oh. with food in their mouth or yeah, being my- on a phone call with food in their mouth or, or, or gesturing with their fork or even a piece of toast or something that drives me. Piece that, of toast. that drives. No, I, I'm like, I, I, I want to shut my, just don't say anything. Don't like, because, um, you know, sometimes these, uh, like, you know, you just like, don't pass judgment. Just, you know, just, you know, but, no, yeah, it's it's a real thing with me. And if I hear kids smacking on their like cheeseburgers or whatever, I, I call it out because now I'm in an age where like and I'm kind of the fun mom and like we're the house that all the kids like to come to. So they kind of laugh. But I'm like, no, seriously, I'm Stafford. I'm serious. Do you, don't do that anymore. Um, I did send my so my my older boy, I think, is a lot more like his dad. He's, he's very he's a gentleman. And then my Shawnee bear is a spicy meatball. So he's going to be 17 on St. Patty's day. So I think it's, he's part leprechaun and I, he, he eats like a caveman. It's, it's a, it's a dumpster fire at the table. So finally I'm like, I I can't do this anymore with you. And so I, I enrolled him in an etiquette class (laughs) thinking, let someone else deal with this. Yeah. And, uh, he got thrown out after the first week. She's like, I can't work with him. I'm sorry. So, um, I think it's going to it's going to take him finding a really cute girl and then the girl saying, OK, you're a dumpster fire. So <laughs> I, I, I have tried. I just can't do it. I, I, I'm just like I like if somebody's if somebody's talking to me with like food in their mouth, I'm just I like I just like don't don't focus on it. But just like it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Well, yeah, I mean, we were drilled in our freshman year. I mean, I will I'll, I'll never forget all the table stuff we had to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, then, I tell some, people stories and they, 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 they look at me like I'm lying. I'm yeah. like, no, we saluted captain crunch. It was yeah. on. So you yeah. pass the salt and it should be like, you pass both the salt and the pepper. If they say pass the salt, you pass them both. They go together. They go together. They, you, you don't just pass one, you know, well, my, or, my, my funniest um, table memory was in B. So I had um, one of my classmates, Winston Glover. And he was yeah. Yeah. Winnie, Winnie. Yeah. And he had a really strong Louisiana accent and um, which made me laugh. I was constantly laughing during Beast. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't. I, they'd asked me to do the days and I, I just thought this is ridiculous. And I'd laugh and then I get hazed. But we had had fish. It was super hot. And we'd had fish like catfish or breaded fish. And it was on a tray and no one really wanted it, even though we were starving because it just was awful. It was greasy. And so um, I was at the end of the table and I, so I held up the, and, and there was lemonade. You remember how we always had lemonade at the table? 
And like that's punch. good for you in the summer, and, right? Yeah. Sweet lemonade. So lemonade and water. And so I held up the tray and I said, sir, there are, you know, let's just say six and a butt servings of this awful fish remaining when I was. And then all of a sudden the fish slid the, 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 and went into the lemonade. Oh. And I looked at Winnie and he was like, like looked at me like, don't say anything. And we must have served, I don't know, 10 more glasses of lemonade. It, and the, the, whole bottom bottom, of it? the whole bottom was fish. <laughs> it was awful. So, yeah, wait, wait. those are good times then. Mm. So People I took you off fun. task again, didn't I? Okay. No, it's, it's cool. No, we're over here and now we're talking about it. And then we went on to the whole table manners thing. Yeah. But yeah. it's kind of a, a funny little side riff. Um, yeah. So, so what else? Do you, your you have your older son is a sophomore at TCU. Yeah, you said, and yeah, and then your younger son is a junior in high school. He's junior in high school, and um, I mean, look, my son's in Texas, and and even though he's had a lot of online courses, um, it's Texas, and so COVID, like he would tell me, Mom, COVID's not a thing here. Um, so he's having a blast, and it's a it's a great school, it's a great environment, great vibe. But I, you know, my youngest is, he's gone through it. And, and, you know, sophomore and junior year are your critical learning years. And so it's, that's been, it's been tough. And he's, both my kids are very social and just, I feel like kids are getting um, too comfortable in their rooms. And, you know, um, you know, learning like that, it's just, so, so it's been tough. So um, he's doing well considering because he golfs a lot. Like I make him get out and do shit, but it's been a rough road. And I just hope that like when he does go to college, like he's not a complete dumbass because I don't, I don't know if he's learning anything. And honestly, this, this whole year, the whole pandemic was, was really, it was emotionally and mentally very hard for me. I felt, I felt for a long while, like a caged tiger. And I wanted to lose my mind and thank God for all my girlfriends. And we would talk each other off the ledge. Like I just, the whole mask thing, seeing people in masks and not being able to see smiles. And uh, it, it, it was really, really difficult. So I kind of, as a mom, I don't want to say I checked out, but I just um, like my kids would call, like my son would call me from Texas and he would be, oh, I got to be on my accounting test. And I'd be like, okay, how's your mental health? Like I just stopped caring so much about what I would normally care about and pushing, nudging them as I normally would. I'm, I, I've never been a pushy mom because it's their journey, but um, I've just kind of let them be a lot more than I would have probably because I worry about their mental health, but also maybe mine wasn't the best for a little bit. So anyway, yeah, how, do you, how do you deal with that in your own mental health? Like, yeah, like, like what's, what's, what's the solution there? Well, you know, I, I mean, honestly, like I am one of those people that everyone goes to for, with their problems and I'm a sponge for emotion. So I think part of it too, was everyone was calling me for a bit mm -hmm. and, um, which was fine. Cause I, I want to be that person. But at the same time I was dealing with my own, like I would literally, I'd go outside and, and just, I'd just sit outside. And my oldest son, when he was home, because he came home for spring break and then never went back to TCU. Mm. Um, and he would come on and go, are you okay? And I'm like, no, this is awful. That's all I said. This is awful. Um, because, you know, we take for granted the fact that, you know, if we wanted to go somewhere, you would just go. And then all of a sudden there's nowhere to go. Right. So I just felt it just was a weird time. Um, I think I was also very um, 
self-deprecating. I try to find humor in things when I started to feel a little edgy. And I was really honest with everyone. Like I, when I needed to reach out for advice or help or just talk for the first time now, I was calling other people and they were very happy to reciprocate because normally they call me like if their husband's, you know, being an asshole, they'll call me or if their kids, you know, going sideways, call Lori, you know, and all of a sudden now I'm calling them going, oh my God, I just need you to talk me off the ledge today. So that's, that's honestly how I deal with it. I just, I took it head on. I'm just was you know, okay with saying I wasn't okay. And just, yeah. yeah. It's okay to not be okay. That's, that's, and, and what's challenging too, I think also is all these life events that, you know, like, like, if, if, if this was a one or two or three month thing, you know, you'd be able to just kind of grin and bear it, but it's what 15 months or we're going to go, we're going to at least going to be here. Well, you know, the, the, the thing that was hard, I think for me, is um, I'm kind of an all in girl. Like it just, so we thought it was going to be two weeks, crush the curve, you know, two weeks. Okay. I got this two weeks. I went shopping and I bought more Aunt Jemima pancake mix than you could ever possibly imagine. Cause I thought, Oh, oh <laughs> pancakes. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I, my cart was so full of shit that I, I, I could, I had to have a help out for the first time. And I don't even know how long, um, but I think it's, you know, when you look at the, when, when you look out at the world and you're, you're doing your part and, and whatnot, and then all of a sudden there's so many inconsistencies because in California, we, we've been locked tight. It's been, you know, it's been a really tough protocol, so, but what people were doing was they were going to other states for sports and they were going um, to other states to take the ACT and they were doing all these things. And so part of me is like, well, you're, you're leaving and then you're coming back. I like to Arizona or Florida or, you know, it just depended. Um, and then you feel bad for the kids that don't have, you know, can't afford to do that. That's, that's you know, and that's the thing that that's, right? the most, that's the most. So it's like, you know, not only are you, you, you going somewhere and then bringing it potentially back while we're locked in our homes, but there's a lot of kids that, you know, are getting lost. It's very uneven. A very right? uneven. So, so all of that was really weighing on my heart. Um, and so, um, and 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 I'm starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not. I'm not seeing light towards getting in the classroom, but it's it's great to see kids now in California doing sports because they need to move their bodies. They need to socialize. They need. So, yeah. Yeah, this is going to definitely be the kind of thing we'll look back five years, ten years from now, and there'll be all these repercussions that have, you know, happened and yeah. things that we have to get out in front of. I mean, the biggest thing I think is like you said, the disparate experience based upon, you know, social class and economic class. It's just, it's, it's terrible. The, the weight that's been born. I mean, it's inconvenient for us, inconvenient for me. You know, my 16 year old daughter didn't have her sweet 16. My son had a basketball season that was you know cut short we haven't been able to see my mom in the same room for 15 months which has been tragic but we haven't lost anybody close to us you know yeah and, and uh I, I mean i have we have lost people i think at this point they say one third of america knows somebody in their direct circle who they have lost at least one person and so it, i have we have not experienced that kind of tragedy or the economic impact the way that it has for others. It's, it's just an unbelievable difficult time for our country and, yeah. and an opportunity, I think 
for leaders of character and what we do to kind of like face into this and say, what do I, what can I do? What's my part? How do I, how do I help? I mean, one thing is hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you're 10 times five, you're 10 times five. You've got an audience of people that are listening to these stories of vulnerability and reinvention and of all these um, opportunities to, to really be facing into the challenges of life. Yeah. Well, so I, I had a couple of friends that were financially very impacted and kind of reeling and, um, and so I told the story of the Manchester moth. You know that story? No. Manchester, I'll, I'll, I'll try to go fast. Manchester, England. Um, and this applies to where we are in our life too, just FYI. So Manchester, England, pre-industrial revolution, there was this really unique white moth that they were known for. And it had a couple black spots on the wings, but they were everywhere. The Manchester moth, okay? Industrial revolution happens and... It happens hard in Manchester. So now everything is covered with soot. So now all the moths are primarily black and all the white moths kind of die off. And so the whole reason why I tell people this is that you, you have to pivot. You have to, you, you know, life throws you a curveball or a different scenario, environment changes become the black moth, you know, become that you adapt and survive and and figure it out. And and I think that's what, there's going to be a lot of interesting things that come out of this time period, because there's going to be people that come out of nowhere that have learned to pivot and take advantage of a situation. And then unfortunately, there's going to be people that we're going to have to take an extra step to help them because they aren't, they don't have the capacity or they don't have the nature to pivot and adapt, if that makes sense. And we don't want those people to get left behind. So anyways, that's my thought processes. And and so, and I think in life right now, we're in a phase of life where um, I think it's our responsibility to kind of lean into what's happening in the world and, and in our communities. I mean, we don't even talk about community leaders anymore, right? We're arguing about, you know, these other things. And, and, and meanwhile, you know, we need community leaders. We need people that actually have a touch on our kids and our, our, our parents and the aging and all of that stuff. Right. And that's where people like us West pointers come in that have that sensibility that where I think we really can encourage and help and set the right tone. Did I get really philosophical? You did. You did. And you gave me you gave me a great nugget to sort of go to the next part of our podcast. I see. I knew I would. Speaking of adaptability, Mm -hmm. one one of your podcasts, which I encourage people to listen to, was your podcast is Who the Heck Are We? And you're talking about your own story. And so speaking of adaptability, of listening to your story of, you know, your teenage teenage self pre-West Point, you Mm -hmm. lost your mom. I guess yep. at that point in your life. And so it was just you and your dad growing up. So tell me about that experience and how that, how that moved you into West Point. Yeah. You know, my mom um, got sick when I was, I think towards the tail end of my sixth grade year and they misdiagnosed her. She had cancer, but back then, you know, people didn't have cancer. Like right now you get sick. And the first thing you think is like, Oh my God, I got cancer. Um, so she, they misdiagnosed, misdiagnosed, and she was very ill for a long period of time. And then um, by the time they realized it was not her colon swollen, but 
a tumor, it had spread throughout her body. There's nothing they could do. And it literally is like watching someone getting eaten from the inside out. So it was very hard, very traumatic. And thank God I had, um, I was busy. I kept myself busy. I did my sports. I was a good student. I did all that stuff. And so then it was um, just me and my dad. But my dad really struggled. And he, he really struggled financially for a long period of time. You didn't have siblings, you said, right? I had two older siblings, but they were out of the house. Okay. And your yeah. mom was a breadwinner, you said, right? She, well, she was the more consistent breadwinner. My dad was a sales guy. And, you know, he, there would be times where it was really rough. And um, what do you sell? He sold like heavy equipment, like cranes and whatnot. So you think about the 80s recession. It was like we would go through a year and a half where it was brutal. And my mom was the one that had to step up her, her game. Um, and so she worked throughout uh, her being sick. And I, I remember, and this is this is honest, God, true. Um, she started to sell insurance because she had she was so ill. She just couldn't do a traditional nine to five. And I remember there was a couple deals she was trying to close and she was so ill that she could barely hold her head up. And I actually went on those sales calls with her. And I think they bought the insurance because they knew I was there to help my mom close the deal. Like, right. right? Wow. So it was, it was rough. It was rough. And, um, and then my dad, you know, we just struggled financially and he really wanted me to go to, um, a school in California to be close. And his preference was USC because back then, you know, all the rich kids went to USC. So he was thinking, you know, you're, you're marry a rich doctor or something. And um, I went to visit because they, I, I was getting recruited and uh, it was, it was awful back then and they didn't give any money. And so I happened to be driving with my friend. And so I thought I was going to go to like a UCLA or something like that. I, like, I really didn't know. And um, it was the beginning of my senior year. And I went to a company picnic and two of the board of trustees were West Point graduates. And so I had happened to see my friend, older brother. He was a senior when I, I became a plebe, but I saw like a a video of it. And I'm like, oh my God, what is West Point? And that's kind of cool. So I started to tell them, yeah, I saw this video and there's this place called West Point. And they saw me and I think they thought, oh my God, this is the kind of woman we need at West Point. And they showed up at my house and then the coach got involved and before long. And, you know, and then I was in, I was in the office with every other effing kid because Top Gun was still big. So how we did it in California was you got a nomination, but it wasn't academy specific, so to speak. It was, it was weird right. back then. Yeah. So all these people wanted to go to the Naval Academy and whatnot. And so when I went in to interview the congressman, um, it was a panel of men. And they're like, hey, look, you just don't have a high enough SAT score. And I'm like, I know I screwed that up. <laughs> I didn't think it mattered because I was a recruited athlete. They're like, it's really competitive this year. And we're really sorry. And then, um, and then one of the guys that sat on the panel says, you know, my, my daughter is a runner and she knows you and you have really good recommendations. And I go, oh, thank you. So I started telling these funny stories to these guys. And I, so I was in there like three times longer than any of the other candidates. And so I'm sure that's intimidating, you know, like, well, like I, with the next person coming yeah, in. The like, next, yeah. 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 So, so the, and then they called me on Monday and said, um, we're going to take a chance on you. And they gave me the nomination and then, and then I got in and then I got in early and then I was thinking, okay, now I can drop physics. And so I really didn't think through the process. Honestly, I thought, okay, it's free. And 
I got in early and now I don't have to do all these hard things. I can have fun my second semester senior year. And then when I showed up, I mean, literally I hadn't been further east than Utah when I showed up at the academy, sight unseen. Did you fly out with your with your dad? Did he come with I, you? Yeah, I, fly, I flew out with my dad. And I remember we we're sitting there. I mean, you, you all remember this, like, you know, you're not going to talk to your son or daughter for the next three weeks, right? And because that's what it was back then, right? We had three weeks of just, you know, non-communication, um, unless you drank the Brasso and then you got to call your mom. <laughs> so, um, but uh, he, I think he felt really guilty. I think he was like, and I'm like, dad, I got this. And then it was like, as soon as we got behind closed doors, and I remember trying to get that fucking name tag on my luggage and my fingers were all fumbling and, oh, it was awful. And I met my roommate and I'll forget Bev Edwards. She was, it was so funny that day, our day it was so damn hot. You remember? Yeah, I remember. Okay. California doesn't have that humidity. Okay. So, so damn hot. And I remember going from station to station. Of course, I was the one where I would drop my bag before being told to. So I had that going on. I didn't tell you. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and, and I remember she was like to my left and I was trying not to look at her because I didn't want to get hazed, but her face was as red as a tomato. And I was thinking, oh my God, this girl's my roommate. And she looks like, she looks kind of like she should be on the Willy Wonka film because she was so <laughs> like, and I kept licking my lips and they kept calling me a monkey. <laughs> I go, what are you a monkey? So I remember, yeah, I met Bev and I remember, um, that night we laid in bed and we were in the old, old barracks, right? What do they call those? The lost fifties or. No, I think, I don't know. It was like long wing MacArthur, I think, or something. No, I was yeah. never in those. Those were nice. I was in like the one near the gym. That oh, was that's our, lost fifties. Yeah. Lost yeah, lost 50s. 50s. yeah. Okay. Like where the ghosts are. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I just remember I heard her crying and then I started crying and I'm like, what did we do? And then we became thick as thieves. So where was she from? She was from Oklahoma. Okay. Cute little Oklahoma girl. So, you know, I, she was across the hallway from me in my senior year. We had so much fun. She was so great. I, I For whatever reason, she and Lisa Buzzkirk roomed together. I think together the one time they, they wrote on my face a magic marker when I was hammered in bed in first year. Uh-huh. So. She, she was she, fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not surprised. I, I want to like. Did one of you rub off on the other? Because like you seem to have such similar demeanor and, and it was like, you must've been just like, like you said, two peas in a pod. We were, we were for the first couple years. And then, um, and then I met Jerry who we became engaged, Jerry Farnsworth. And so, you know how it is when you get in a relationship, then you spend all your time. And, and she didn't want to be the third wheel, I think. Um, but we were very close and we had a lot, a lot of laughs. And I really enjoyed her, her family kind of, they were in Pennsylvania, kind of took me under their wing. And when they came out to visit, they would always make sure to shower we, me with love. But um, we did, so we, we did some funny things. because so we both kind of got in trouble at the same time. She got busted with me, by the way. Which time? Not not with frat. The time with the yearly. yearly. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. Uh, no, but um, I'll, <laughs> we always we always laugh at this story. So when we were packing up to go to Lake Frederick, but we had that parade before, remember? And you pack up all your stuff, and 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 then you, and so 
we both forgot to leave out socks for the parade. So everything's mm-hmm. packed up. We're, we're now in our academic barracks, right? All that shit's it's over there. It's been moved, transported, done. And now we just have our Lake Frederick stuff and whatever we're doing for the parade. And I looked at her and I'm like, oh my God, Bev, I don't have socks. And she started dying laughing. And I'm like, do you have an extra pair of socks? She's like, and then she looked and she didn't have socks. <laughs> and then we had uh, um, Kimberly Alexander was also a female. She, she didn't end up graduating, but she was a female in our company and she didn't have socks, but she was black. So she thought she could get away with. So, so Bev and I had white socks and then Kim's like, no way I can pull this off. So she wore no socks and literally every step we took in the mess hall before the parade, we, we got a, like a 4d. It was just like, it was awful. We're not having this. For, cause yeah. 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 And then, and then we did the parade with the white socks and it, it was, it was. Oh, because you're wearing white socks. You, you didn't just, oh, you no. no socks. You were, okay. no, I should have worn no socks, but, but Kim, we all got busted. We, none of us got away with it. Mm. So it was pretty funny. And Kim's a great girl. I'm still in contact with her. She's awesome. Yeah. What's she doing? She, God, I don't know where she's living. She's living, um, I want to say outside of DC and she's like a, a fitness, like, She's really into dance and fitness and she looks fantastic. How long did she um, stay with us in with our class? Sophomore. She left after sophomore. Okay. Yeah. And she married, she married a cadet that graduated from a one who she had a, she fratted with George, George Bowen, I think. And then they ended up having a kid and then they separated and now she's remarried. Okay. We got to go through at least one relationship before, you know, you know, we, got, we were too young back then. Before, before you settle in on who you're going to actually. Yeah, like, I, you know, like I look back and it's just like, you know, like Jerry and I got engaged and got caught up all in it. And then it just, we were too young, you know? You know I think, well, this is another challenge. So I think just with, with the army in general, because you've got this ominous decision, which is like, we're going to graduate. We're going to go someplace. If we don't sort of like hitch our wagons here, they're going to go on these different paths. Right. You know, there's exactly. And so you got to like, you're, you're forced to make a decision one way or the other kind of without having to, you got all these external forces that are forcing you to like to prematurely make that decision, I suppose. Right. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that, well, that was definitely the case with Jerry and I, because he was going somewhere stateside and I had always, had Germany and then Jerry was going to go stateside. Well, we broke up for a little bit our senior year. Mm-hmm. And um, just because we were young. And then we ended up getting back together when I was at um, um, Officer Basic. So we broke up and then we got back together. And then it's like, okay, well, let's get married. And then we go to Germany. And, you know, here's two people like we were like Ken and Barbie. I don't know if you recall, like we were too, too much alike. And it just it's I think having a relationship in that environment was it was a whole lot of something. And some people do really well with it and can make it out the other side. I just think that we um, oh, we were just better off as friends and, and still are today. You know, I sent him a text and I said, hey, I'm going to talk about you on a podcast. And he was like, no, you're not. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so. So, yeah, he I mean, he's still in. He's doing really well. And I think he's going to get out soon. But um, and, you know, and I decided early on that, you know, 
after I took command, I was like, I was ready to do other things. I just, you know, so, and, and yeah, but I think it's, it's a lot because, you know, you're wearing the same outfits and you're moving from place to place. And, and then when you do get out, I think then it's like this, I don't know how long it took you to kind of get like breathe where, okay, I don't have to be in that box anymore. It took me, I would say about a year and a half for me to, and thank God I was a consultant because you still have to be kind of like in a box and be formal and present yourself well. But it took me a long while to say, you know what? I don't, I don't have to be in this rigid framework anymore. But you're still not going to, you're still not going to talk with food in your mouth though, right? You're not going to. Never, never. (laughs) I'll do it. But, but you know what I'm talking about. And and I I think if, if you, if you marry cadet or you marry someone in that environment and then you go through all these years where you're in the box and, and, and you've got the pressure that, you know, you've got the optics. So you want to stay together, but then if you get out, like now people are getting out and I can only imagine if you've been married and been in the military and you're getting out and now you're not in that rigid framework and you want to explore the things, you know, I, I'd be interested to, you know, hear how people do it because I, it, I, it's, it's, it's a fascinating dynamic. I mean, yeah. I think, first of all, transition is a challenging circumstance for anybody at any time. And it's, I, I imagine it only gets more challenging with more time, right? So right. our classmates that are now in transition, leaving the military like Jerry, th- this is a time for us to really grip hands and support those people and be the sounding boards and talk about imposter syndrome and like, you know, purpose and trying to navigate, you know, this, this big life event. Okay. Can we talk about imposter syndrome? Cause I think I want that. What is that? Imposter syndrome. I, yeah. I, I think it like, well, I felt like when I became a civilian at first, I was like in these spaces of like, you know, trying to sell products and taking a purchase order and doing this and doing that. I'm like, I'm not supposed to do this. Like, I, I like, this is not what I do. I'm just like pretending, you know, that's, okay, that's what it. I feel like you're, you're in a different skin suddenly, you know? Oh, this, so we're talking the same exact thing where it's like, you, you're so, you're, our brains were so trained to act and to f- not really feel, but, you know, act and do things according to a playbook. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, when you're out of that, and, you know, in my case, it was high tech. So talk about really loosey goosey is, um, you know, it, it takes an adjustment period and it's not easy. And, and I, I think people that are getting out, maybe like a Jerry that are going to get out after, you know, how many years? 30, really? right? It, it, it's got to be difficult. I, I remember when my husband, and he's semi-retired, he's not retired, but I remember when he left kind of, he's now a board member and a consultant, but when he left the corporate world, he didn't properly prepare mentally for it. And it was very hard because he was used to having all his employees, all his support, his secretaries, his this, that, and all of a sudden it's, it's gone. And it takes a little bit of time to, to navigate. So, but I, I felt, I guess I felt like an imposter too. You know, I think it is, I think what it is, it's, it's abrupt change is what it yeah. is. There are little changes that happen all the time and you just kind of get accustomed to them. Right. It's, it's the abrupt change. So you're suddenly like, you're no longer in that role. You're doing something completely different. That's when I think you need to think through the constructs of all these other things around you and how to, how to interpret what this is going to be right. like. And, and then also to create the space for yourself to be reflective and think about like what, 
you know, what, what am I, what part of this is, is something that's, um, that, that I'm feeling like, I, I think change, what makes people fear change is loss. They're losing something that they're familiar with. There's, there's great, there's a lot of good changes. People are like, they have no problem taking on a, a new change, which is like something that's really happy or really is significantly good. It's, right. it's, it's, it's the, it's the loss. You're losing something that makes it, makes it challenging. And so, um, but anyway, so getting back to what you're saying with the mil- the, the, the military forced you to have to make grown up decisions early with regard to you getting married at that time. Like you, right. you were and and I think that, I mean, oftentimes what happens is people get married, they grow together and they have great, happy, productive lives together. Or sometimes it was not a good decision and there's challenges and they end up getting divorced. And I think probably, I mean, there's a number of our classmates that were married and are now divorced. Um, and I wonder coming up on our 30 year reunion, what that, does that cause a certain level of anxiety or, or fear for them? I mean, you were saying that you and Jerry are friends and I think it's in part because time has healed a lot of wounds, a lot of like um, awkwardness. Right. So, well, no, we were, we always stayed friends. I mean, I I think Mm -hmm. the weird part was when we decided to dissolve our marriage, we kind of went back to dating for a little bit Mm -hmm. because I think we were still kind of just figuring it out. And so that was awkward, but then, then, you know, um, but we, 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 we decided to kind of part ways. We didn't have kids. Okay. We're still young and we are very supportive of one another. And, and, and so we had that, we always had that friendship. Um, so it wasn't like, um, you know, I, I mean, I've had many, many friends that have had to end their relationships and some are able to navigate it positively. And sometimes there's a lot, they're acrimonious. I mean, just like if you end a friendship, you know, if you know, sometimes we have to break up with our girlfriends because it's just not working, right? We're at different places in our lives. And so you have to tell your your friend, like, okay, well, we need to break up. And you don't talk or you don't, you know, it's just like not good. So I, I think with the 30-year reunion, I mean, I look, I've yet to see Jerry at a reunion. And that's just kind of the way it's been. Like we've both been there. We know we're both going to be there, but for some reason, we never seem to, <laughs> our paths have not inter- intersected. And that's probably good for, you know, you know, he's got, he's, he's remarried. So it's, it's probably good for his maybe wife because I don't know, but well, we talk like, well, we, you know, it's all good. But, but I think, I don't know the way I look at our reunions. I think we talked a little bit about it before, before this interview is that um, you kind of hang out with a small pocket. And so I don't know, there's something so great about being with our old classmates and navigating different, like, I, I think, I think our last one, um, Crabtree and I had so much fun. We were stealing balloons and I mean, we're not even company mates. And like, we were like sitting down at the bar and then we decided to st- steal a bunch of balloons. And I don't know. I just, I hope that if there are, if there are classmates that have a situation in which they have a, a, a broken relationship that both come, because I think, I just think it's such a special, wonderful time. I don't know. It is. It is. And I think also we're all at this similar point in our lives too. You know, we're all, you know, plus or minus two or three years from each other. 
And right. we're all, you know, many of us are leaving the military or have recently left it in the last five or 10 years. And we've all got, I think, a common bond in terms of not just the experience of West Point, the time in the military, the time in the army, and also love of country, feeling of purpose, wanting to do something, wanting to live up to the values that we all committed to. So, you know, I've said this before, I'll say it again, what other institution, we are so blessed to have these 800, 900 people that went through this experience with us that are like, you know, our brothers and sisters in life, you know, these parallel journeys we've had. And now we get to read, our our paths are going to cross again in September. And then, you know, we'll continue to have these wonderful, these wonderful common bonds. Right. Well, you asked me a really good question um, the other day, and it was, um, what, what message, like, like we, we philosophically were talking, what message would I say? Right. right. And so, um, and I thought about that and, and I think you're a hundred percent right as we're heading on 30 and now we're at a point in our lives where we're all kind of doing the what's next. And it would be so, I mean, we have a lot of very successful classmates, you know, I mean, Anthony Noto is lighting shit on fire, left, right, and center, right? Um, he was always like that, by the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got Vince, who's done so many, I mean, here's a guy that goes to West Point and then ends up as the assistant director of, of House, right? I mean, he's all, this creative guru. I mean, I can go on and on about our, our classmates. I think we've, we, you know, we've got some, and, and people that have contributed significantly over time in the military that have, have chosen to stay on that course, that have done some amazing things through amazing milestones. But I think now, like my one wish is that we could all reconnect on a level to not just give back to the institution, but to give back to each other. Because I think now we're all, we're, we're, a lot of us are doing passion projects or they're doing things that are meaningful in the community because they have the ability and the desire to do so. And I would love to see us, you know, and 30 is a perfect time to do it because we'll all be together is to really talk about what one another's doing and support one another in this next phase, because I think it's really, I think it's really important. And I think we're the type of characters to do that, if that makes sense. I mean, like, look, you're doing stuff within the homeless. We had the discussion that I'm doing stuff in San Diego with the homeless community. I mean, there's just so many ways we can, I think, help each other. And now we're in a good phase to do that. And I think, I think it's also creating some accountability around being vulnerable and being prepared to, to look out for each other. Yeah. Right? 100%. I mean, like if, 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 I mean, we've all, I, I have had this challenge. I mean, where you're, academically in a, in a hurt box, or maybe something that's going on at home, or you've got some other thing that's happening and, you know, you're there with your classmates. They knew they were there to lift you up and to support you and to kind of cooperate and graduate. Right. So this is right. like cooperating, graduate in a larger scale. It's about well-being. you know, it's about you know, life, a lifetime of longevity and support. And so, you know, we, we've, we've had, we've had great opportunities, I think, to reconnect uh, through this old grad podcast. This was, it, it's really been a byproduct. I mean, uh, th- this all started with my being um, asked by Anthony DeToto, our fallen classmate, tragically, um, at the time for me to take on the role of being the class giving officer. So I stepped up and I did it. And I had these rich conversations with people also talking about fundraising. And said, this would be a great thing for us to 
somehow memorialized through a, a podcast. And then the technology right. kind of came up underneath it. It made it possible to do podcasts. And I'm still, I'm going to aspire to be a little better at this thing. I'm going to organize this a little bit better and make it easier for other people to get onto it. I've now got probably, I don't know, I think a dozen or so classmates lined up who have said that they will do it. And, and so I, I um, want Cammy Ayanako, if you're out there, you need to get on the podcast. She's on the list. She's one of the dozen. She's one of the 12. She could, she could tell you about when we got hammered when we were rebel rousers and we had freshman lacrosse players have to help us down. And we were literally doing a pep rally in the mess hall before a football game lit like Christmas trees. She was a bad influence on me. I'm not going to, I was so good. She was bad. Anyway. Okay. Sorry. I digress. And she's a Jersey girl. She's a fellow Jersey. There's a lot of people from New Jersey that went to West Point. I didn't realize that until later in life. Beach Saxe is another one. She's, she went to, she's from New Jersey as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so, those so, Jersey people are bad influences. I think. I, I think they are. I can only speak for Cami, and now, now you, and so I was definitely a bad influence on several of my company mates because I I knew how to get to New York City, I knew how to navigate, and back to New York City was just it's it's New York City has cleaned its act up considerably from the late '80s and early '90s when we were cadets. I mean, that place was a seedy, nasty, like crazy place to go as a cadet as a young 18, 19 year old person. And uh, yeah, you I, beef, beefsteak Charlie's remember that? Mm. Yeah. I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so the other thing that I was going to, um, you had talked to me about, we have some fundraising goals too, right? We do have some fundraising goals. Yeah. So I haven't talked a lot about fundraising in the last couple of podcasts because it's been a pandemic and, you know, not everybody's prepared to just, stroke out big checks. But my main thing that I wanted was to increase our participation. That was the primary reason to create this vehicle to reach more classmates. You know, if we could get to 91%, that's a tall order. 91%. Is, this, is this the class fund or are you talking about the actual class the, donation? The actual class donation. So if okay. I give people giving to the actual cybersecurity, which is the cybersecurity chair. And I had your company made on, he's my second guest, uh, Andy Hall talked about the importance of this role, which is the cyber chair. It's a, it's a retired general. It's an interesting space this person operates in because they can navigate between the, the military side of things and then also government contracting. They can do something that military people can't do, which is ask for money. They can get relationships uh, formed and they can kind of run interference for the, for the, for the cyber community at West Point. And it also helps to I mean, obviously, we didn't, we didn't, um, what a perfect timing for a gift, for this specific gift, because think about all the importance of cyber with like solar oh, winds. Yeah, if there's anything that keeps me up at night, it's that. Well, none of this stuff existed when, before we just decided to name our gift for the purpose that we named it for. Right. Uh, and by the way, it is named in, in honor of our fallen classmate, uh, Bill Hecker. So it's the Bill Hecker cyber chair uh class of 91 i i think i uh, that's going to be the title of it or something similar to that and it's basically to infuse cyber awareness and cyber disciplines across all military operations and all academic learning at west point and so by having that chairperson that's funded by our class gift 
it enables them to go to places like, you know, big tech and into industry and to raise money and say, we need to make sure that not just our computer science and electrical engineering students understand this stuff, but also our English majors and our international relations people and our economics people. They need to also have this built into the curriculum and we're going to help make this happen. And so that's what the yeah. cyber chair does. So it's a $1.5 million gift. We're at 1.2 million currently. And we're about 66% participation rate. That's kind of slowed off a little bit. And so as I'm hoping that as we get closer to our reunion and more people are committing to go to it, we're going to get ourselves closer to that 91% goal. Yeah. I mean, how great would it be for us, our class, to be like the class that dominates the participation? Right. The highest ever before this was 88%. That was like the class of 62 or 64. It's, I think it's Holly. Holly Screw those guys. <laughs> yeah, it's Holly, it's Holly, it's Holly Fishburne's dad. It's like, uh, they, yeah. they call him Guppy, Guppy Fishburne. He got all of his classmates to step up and give it a, a lot of money for their 30th reunion or something, or maybe the 40th, 88%. So we're a ways away, but let's get to 91. And so yeah. it's about creating kind of building mark amount among the companies too. So there's company giving levels for each company. And I've got a, an ambassador for each company that's responsible for sh- kind of finding these lost classmates, getting them to give something. And I don't care how much. Give $19.91. Give a dollar. I don't care. Just give something. Right. So that Just we give something. It. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this was a lot of fun. Did I, did I hit on all the topics you wanted me to hit on? Uh, let me think. I, I I don't think we're fully done yet because I want to I want to hear some more. I want to hear some more of your your what you're going to be doing next. We've talked about what you're doing now. We mm-hmm. talked about what you did. We talked about getting back up to this. But what's next? What's next for for for, for Lori Ryder Jabbar? You know, um, well, I'm going to continue. You know, the podcast takes a lot of time. It's like producing a show. And and so and we've got some really exciting guests. Um, but for me, I'm in, I'm in the mode, you know, once Sean, my youngest gets off to college is it's going to be giving back. And, and I've been blessed to have worked real hard and my husband's worked real hard where we have the ability to slow down a little bit and then start to do things that are meaningful to the heart. And, um, so I, I don't see myself going back to, work, although I consult here and there. Um, I just don't see that. Um, we, we actually invested in um, a couple properties, which is new for us. So I'm going to get involved with that and and then hopefully hopefully help kids and mentor kids and um, work on causes that um, I think are underserved. And then I'd like to travel when things open up. But that, yeah, that's it. Is this now is my point in life where I, I feel like I've been lucky and I feel like I've had a lot of people help me along the way that have taken risks on me. And I think I'm doing a much better job than I have in the past, but I'd like to do more, especially for the younger generations that just maybe need just more time and mentorship and then causes that need attention. That was a really long-winded way to say, I'm going to give back. You know and, what I think, as you, were, as, you were, as you were talking, what I was thinking about was the 12 or 13-year-old Lori Ryder 
working with your mom, doing the sales call when she could barely keep her head up and realizing that why that's so important to you to help young kids. Because I think that, you know, you realize that you were lucky. You had the, you had maybe not a lot of resources, but you had the right resources to get yourself where you are. And and kids today, honestly, I think everything is in snacking form, our attention spans. And, and I think, you know, they expect things to happen so instantaneously. And the one thing that hasn't changed in life is it is a process with twists and turns. And uh, I, I don't think a lot of our younger, like the, I'm talking about the, the Gen Z's and then even, even below that, I don't think they're prepared. And I don't think we spend the quality time. Um, I had a conversation with Sean because he loves football. I mean, is obsessed. Like he's like rain man. If you ask him, you say, okay, Miami Dolphins linebacker. He can give you who's on the linebacking or the players, what their 60 was, what the bench. I mean, he's like, it's crazy, but he's not going to be a collegiate football player. He's too small. So I said to him, I go, you know what? If you're passionate about it, be a coach and a teacher. And what he says to me is like, well, they don't make anything. And I'm like, you know, where, where have we gotten? Like, that's more important right now than, you know, someone that, you know, so I'd like to kind of encourage people to get back on track to where that community and those people that are within the community, emphasizing the importance of it and encouraging them to do those things. Um, and then one of the things too, is that, um, I'm a huge, I guess today's National Women's Day. I become a huge advocate for women. You like that? This is Women's Women's uh, History Month, I think, right? So yeah, but I think how, I, I thought I got I thought I got ping that it was today was National Women's Day. How awesome that my last three guests were all women from the class of '91. Awesome. No, but you know what? I and I I don't think back in the academy days. At least I felt this. I don't think we as women encouraged each other enough. I think we could have done a whole hell of a lot more and better. And um, I think, you know, we found our little pockets within our company or, or like Cammy wasn't in my company, but we, we were rebel rousers together and we had similar personalities. You became tight, but I don't think that we were really great at encouraging women and being supportive holistically across the class. And I will say there is a lot of secret guilt about that among, among women, specifically from the nineties. And I think that's not your fault, by the way, it's just the group dynamics. It's the hit. It's just the way it works out when you're only at this, like eight, nine, 10% level, there is this kind of innocent competition that can happen. Uh, that this is not even your, I mean, I think eventually you get, you, you, you get older, you become mature and you realize, Hey, you know, we need to be supportive of one another, but it's not always like that. I, I, yeah, I it definitely, it definitely wasn't like that back then. And, and, um, I'm, I'm remiss that, you know, you know, when you have road behind you, you have perspective, right. Um, but I have become, because I think, um, I mean, I think, I think life is hard for everyone, but I, I especially, my heart breaks a little bit for young women today because I think they feel they have to do it all and it's all out there. And what they're comparing themselves to is ridiculously unachievable. Everything is. And so um, I would like to, you know, you asked me what I'd like to do next. I'd like to become 
you know, maybe someone that people can look at young women and, and know that it's okay to be flawed and a little fucked up at times. And, you know, we all are. And I think they have such ridiculous pressure, pressure for everything. I mean, they just have to do it all and they have to look the part. And um, I wish I could blow up social media. I really wish I could for them. I mean, social media has a great role, but it's like become this. this yeah, it's become this thing too that I think can have a very negative um, sense to it and pressure. And so that's where I find myself. And then travel once we can. Got a few places to hit. Wait. Amy. Well, we got West Point coming up in September. We're going to make sure you I, make I hope that. it happens. I hope it it's, happens. It's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. There's no doubt it's going to happen. I think by that time we're going to, well, we may still be masked up, but we're going to be able to travel. We're going to be able to have a reunion. It's going to happen this week. The soup is going to confirm the academic calendar, which is going to solidify the date for us, but it's 99.9% going to be September 16th that weekend. Okay. So I hope, hopefully I know I'll see you there and I'll see a bunch of other classmates. And thank you so much for joining us tonight on the old podcast. I, I'm a, thanks for doing this, Jamie. Well, oh. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, and, um, and uh, let me just give another plug here for five. She's five times 50. It is a uh, five times. No, no, God 10 damn it. Did five. you just Sorry. age me? Five times 50. Me. That's 250. <laughs> hey, come on. You give me a break. You know, you know what, you guys, I, you I, so, I, I think so he's good. lying. He was been drinking tonight. I, no, I, just, I, I, yeah, I, I think not so. been. I swear I've not been. I've not been. I'm going to go have a drink right now, though. Okay, good. She's at 10 times five. That's She's at 10 times five. And if nothing else, give us a follow on Instagram and give me your feedback. Yeah, I mean, more than anything, you know, I mean, we all have scarce time, but I would love to have my classmates feedback and tear it apart if you need to. All right, cool. Well, Lori, thank you so much. Stick around as the credits roll out. You rock. Duty shall be done. Thank you, everybody. For Duty shall us. be done. Thank you for joining right. us on this edition of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast. Please check back on this Facebook page for information about featured guests and upcoming episodes of the Duty Shall Be Done Old Grad Podcast.